Good morning. Why don't we start by singing together? Let's turn to number 545. Five. I'm going out of order. <laughs> 545. Five. And did you notice there's an empty spot up here this morning? Yeah. Diane would have stood to sing already, so why don't we stand? 545. Five.
thank you, Eben George, for starting us off, and then Pastor Victor for allowing us to express our worship as well. Good morning. A well, hearty welcome to all of you, whether you are here or listening in, or maybe watching on YouTube. We hope you will be blessed and that something song, sung or spoken will bless you here this morning. Pastor Dean's message this morning of the purpose of sharing will inspire us as we go and make disciples together. Now let's look at 1 Peter 3 verse 15 to see what he has to say about sharing. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect. Can we stand to pray together? Father, we want to praise and thank you for walking with us, for giving hope where there is hopelessness, for giving joy when there is sadness, for bringing peace into a world filled with hate. Help us prepare ourselves for whatever may come. You have been faithful, and you will be faithful. So, Father, give us courage to share the good news, the gospel. I pray this in your name. Amen. Let's turn to number 582. I'm pressing on the upward way. 582.
Then turn back a few pages to number 558. 558, my hope is built on nothing less. Let's um, take our bulletins, take a look at all the things that are happening in our church. I'd like to add um, one more thing, or I'd like to say that um, the women's Sunday school will not meet this morning. Helen is not feeling well, so that'll not happen this morning. Uh, we've got a number of other things happening, other Sunday schools, and um, we've uh, take a look at some of the prayer times, prayer groups, discovery groups that will be happening this week. And um, I'd like to share a little bit of something. Um, I've been thinking a while that we should maybe have another discovery group uh, where we would learn how to prepare and share our testimony. And so I was wondering when, when would be a good time to bring this up and do the invitation. And so today, Bill Siemens can't be here, so I'm worship leader. Pastor Dean is having a message on just that. And then Preston uh, Wheeler asked for prayer 
because they're having a meeting in Belgium where 16 countries and 120 leaders are coming together to do just that. So I thought maybe today would be a good time. Uh, I know that many of us in the last few years have experienced God at work in our lives in a very new and special way. Uh, some of us have experienced intervention, and I'm one of those. Um, we know that we're here by God's grace, and we know that there's still work to be done. So um, I think we also want to share about that. So I invite those of you that would be interested to meet me in the back of the foyer at the end of the service here, and let's see if we can have a six or eight week time together to, to prepare our stories, to look at them, to share them. So as I already said, Preston asked for a prayer for that time in Belgium, and um, he's also asking for prayer for more team members, and um, he says, the other thing is COVID has made it difficult uh, to fund ministry. So if some of you uh, would want to help with that, that's part of what we, he's asking us to pray about and maybe to also respond. So you have a, um, an invitation to a men's prayer breakfast. Uh, that is this Saturday, or Saturday, the March 25th at nine o'clock in the morning. And Gearhart um, suggested he'd like to see more than 10 people. Matter of fact, we have lots of room. So if that's, this works for you, uh, then we'll come see and hear Ron Burley give his testimony of the work that he's doing. Um, Palm Sunday, we will be meeting in the Fellowship Hall and it's at 10 o'clock, so note the difference in time. Um, we're also looking for a custodian, and if you know of someone that should maybe um, would, would do this well, and so ask them to consider it and see Edwin. Uh, you might wish to transfer your membership and join our church formally. Please, please see Pastor Dean or Pastor Victor, and we can make that happen. We have some people with health needs that are um, in, in Swan Lake Hospital, actually, is where they are, Mary Duick and John Suderman. And I know there's others that are dealing with health issues. Let's hold them all up in prayer. Pick up um, some church direct directories on the way out. And we have a, a great announcement here, our uh, Jack phrase. Dennis Dirksen and Terry Clausen have agreed to let their name stand as church council executive. So, and we also need one more person in personnel. So keep all of them up in your prayers. And um, now let's take a time to pray for the things that are happening in our church community. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to work in your kingdom. We thank you for the Sunday school classes that are happening. We thank you for the leaders there, and we just ask for you to give them um, wisdom, the time to prepare, and also um, as they share that people may grow. Father, thank you for the discovery groups that we have. 
you know, and uh, Father, as we already uh, talked about, if we are, uh, uh, you know, if you feel led to learn how to better prepare and share your own uh, faith journey, then Father, walk with us as we go and, and, and add another group. Father, be with K&K and with the Winkler Bible Camp and Preston and Myra as they serve, as they serve you in, you know, in three completely different ways. But Father, there's so much work and so much need out there that, um, you know, walk with them, give them wisdom. Uh, Father, we pray for that gathering in uh, Belgium. You know, where 120 leaders from 16 different countries are going to um, walk together, work together, grow together, and uh, then go back and 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 spread, you know, the good news back in their own countries with their peers. Father, we pray for um, and ask for you to uphold Ron Burley as he prepares and as he shares on Saturday. Father, may that be a time of blessing for the men in our community. Father, you know the needs of this church community. You know that there's uh, places where we need people. Uh, we need a custodian. We need someone for personnel. And Father, we just ask that you um, you help in that search. You um, may the Holy Spirit tap people on the on the shoulder, and so that we can. Um, serve you better and serve you completely. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship that's not possible in nearly all places in this world. And Father, we, we do this in gratitude. Father, now I just ask that, you know, for the gifts that, will be, um, that we will receive, that will be given, bless them and multiply them as only you can. Pray all of this in your name. Amen. Call on the ushers.
I'm going to ask you for some help this morning. I checked your, your hymnal, but the song isn't in your hymnal, so please join in wherever you can in the sweet by and by. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith you can see it afar, for the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there in the sweet by and by. Scripture reading is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. He'll uh, start reading at verse 12 of chapter 2 and continue through to verse 6 of chapter 3. I'll be reading from the New International Version. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. 
But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone or everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, and not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Matthew's gospel records this for us in chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James' the son, a Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. This is not Peter's and Andrew's first time with an encounter with the Lord. John chapter 1 tells us the story of John the Baptist and how John came and he baptized Jesus. And Andrew was there with him. He was watching all this. And then John said something interesting. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Andrew was there when the baptism was taking place. And the next day, Andrew spent the whole day with Christ. And then he did something very interesting. He quickly ran and he told Peter, his brother, I have found the Messiah. I have found the Messiah. What do you do when you find the most treasure possession in all the world? What do you do? You go and you tell someone else. It's interesting. He told his brother, so they both met Christ for the first time. Now we go back to, uh, to verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting their nets in the lake, for they were fishermen. 
Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed. They followed because they had already discovered who Jesus Christ was. When we discover who Jesus Christ is and that he calls us to go and make fishers of men, that's what we're called to do. We're all called to do the Great Commission, to share the love of Christ with others, to share the gospel message. How much chance, how much time trans between the first and second encounter with Christ, we don't know. But we know one thing that we have learned this morning. When they heard the call, they dropped everything and went. Jesus said to Simon Peter and his brother, Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Both of these men became evangelists, but there was a difference between the two. Thousands came to Jesus under Peter's ministry and under Andrew's ministry, they came one at a time. And if it had not been for Andrew, would have Peter have come? It was Peter, the one who introduced people one by one, who introduced the person who led thousands. My question is this, who has God placed in our lives to tell the gospel? We don't know and we don't realize if that person is going to be an evangelist and will win many. But no matter what happens, God has called each one of us today to reach out to those around us and those we might not even know to share the good news. Sharing the Lord with other and evangelism are the same thing. In other words, sharing one's faith should be a natural response when someone comes to know the Lord. That's what you want to do. You want to go and you want to share with others it should not be a burden, but rather a delight. It should be like Andrew. Come, come. I have found the Messiah. And he introduces his brother to Jesus. The woman at the well went and introduced the people of her community to Jesus Christ. When she had met the Lord, her life was changed. My brother-in-law is a pastor in one of the churches he pastored. Uh, in, in a community, um, I had gone to their church and I sat next to these people. And then after the service, my brother-in-law said to me, See, you saw that family that was there? The one fellow, he came to know Jesus and he quickly went and brought his sister and his mom and his father to the Lord. Isn't that exciting? One hears the gospel they share it with someone else. Now, this is exciting for us because we hear the good news, but there's sometimes we go and we share and people reject the gospel. And immediately we say, oh, well, I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, that's not for me to share. You know, there will be those who reject, but there will also be those who accept. And we are not to determine it is the Lord that works. We're only called to be his mouthpiece and to go. Saul, better name as Paul, also met the Lord, but the Lord had to strike him down on the road to Damascus to get his attention. Do you realize, as I read through the New Testament, uh, 
maybe I, I can stand to be corrected. But this, Paul is the only one who God strikes and he wins him to the Lord himself. God is the only one who leads Saul to the Lord. In every other case, he uses ordinary people. He uses you and me. He uses you and me. We are his mouthpiece. After Saul's encounter with the Lord, he traveled worldwide, the known world, to proclaim the gospel and to share with both Greek and Jew. He shared with everyone he came in contact with. He planted churches. Wherever he stopped, he had a word to say to people. And maybe we can't do what Paul did, but we all can share in some way with someone whether it is by our actions, whether it is by our testimony. And sometimes we don't even know what to say. The thing is, is sometimes we think our testimonies mean nothing. People would rather listen to a person who was in crime and had, was in drugs and everything else who co would come to know the Lord. That's who they want to hear. No, people want to hear the gospel from our lips and especially even if we've been raised in a Christian home and we have been spared all of that. We have a message. We have a message that God can keep us from sin. We have a message that God has transformed our lives because we're all sinners. We have a message, a message to proclaim to the world around us, to the ordinary people that Jesus has given to us. He has given us people to share the gospel. This morning, we want to continue in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 12, and we want to take a look at what it means, once again, growing deeper in the Lord. And this morning, we want to look at the three purposes for sharing the gospel. We're going to be only looking at one purpose this morning. One purpose, this is a two-part message, and it is entitled, The Purpose of Sharing the Gospel. The Purpose of Sharing the Gospel. Number one, it is to rescue the perishing, found in chapter two, or, or, uh, chapter two, verses 12 through 17. It is to rescue the perishing. I love Jesus when he would always be preaching and going out, and people would want to confine him, to have him stay in one place. And he would always say, I have to go and preach the gospel to all places. And Jesus has called us to do that. And this community right here is one of those places he's called us to share the gospel. Paul had a mission and a passion for the lost. In verses 12 to 13, he says this, and let me read it um, for you once again. Verses 12 and 13, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened the door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. Titus was a co-worker of Paul. Paul had sent them to, Con to Corinth to present the first letter to the Corinthian church, and then they were to meet at Troas. But Titus did not show up. So although the door opened up Troa at 
opened up at Troas to share the gospel, Paul had no peace of mind. He did not know what happened to Titus. He did not know what was taking place at the church in Corinth. And he was worried. Wouldn't it be nice if they would have had cell phones back then? We ask ourselves the question, how did we do without cell phones? Man, we're in a pickle or something. We got that cell phone. We can get help. Isn't that true? And there's something about having a cell phone that gives us a little bit comfort. Paul had none of that. But I believe Paul was a man of prayer. And when he didn't show up, when his friend did not show up, he was praying for him. Paul had a compassion, had a passion for the lost and for his fellow worker, Titus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 21 through 28, Paul lists all the sufferings and the hardships that he faced. We don't have time to read that portion of Scripture, but we know that portion of Scripture well. Paul says that he had been beaten with rods many times, that he was... Uh, not only he was stoned, he was left for dead. He was beaten with rods, with all types of things. He was shipwrecked, went for many days without food, lost at sea on the ships. But yet he continued to persevere. And then in verse 28 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says this in the one verse. Listen closely Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. He faced daily. This was a burden on him. He was concerned for the lost. Are we that concerned for the lost? What about our neighbors, our friends? Do we weep and cry for them? Are we uncomfortable when they don't come to know the Lord? Are we just happy if we know him? Are we just happy if we know that our children and some of our close friends are going to heaven? Or are we unsatisfied when we realize that there are those around us who we rub shoulders with each and every day who do not know Jesus? Paul knew what it was like to experience no peace in relation to the proclamation of the gospel and those who were lost because they are lost. They will spend eternity in hell. But we don't really believe it, do we? Yes, this is true. And we have the only message in the world that can transform world people and place them from darkness into life. And God has given that to you and to me this morning. However, Paul does not let this hold him back in his, with his great faith and perseverance in faith. Although he's disappointed now that he did not meet Titus, although he has the pressures all over him, he says this. Listen as I read verses 14 through 16 in chapter 2 here. 
He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in a triumphant procession in Christ through through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are the smell of death and to the other one the fragrance of life. Everyone in the Roman Empire understood Rome power, Rome's power and its mighty army. In that, indeed, they had a conquering army, and wherever they went out, they won. They had victory. Paul uses the imagery of the Roman general who returns after a great victory. If he had slain more than 5,000 people or 5,000 soldiers and gained new territory for Rome, he was entitled to a victory parade. He would get to ride in a golden chariot accompanied by his officers that were surrounding him. Following him would be the spoils of the war and the captive soldiers. There would be a huge celebration and a parade, and as the parade continued, and as the parade continued, incense would be burned to pay tribute to the victorious army and the victorious general who was in charge. The sad part was the captives would be led through the streets to the Colosseum where they would entertain the fighting ant- uh, the people by fighting the wild animals and it would be to their death. Not a pretty picture. However, Paul uses the imagery to paint a different picture for us and for the Corinthians who he was writing to now. And that is one of victory of God through Jesus Christ. He sees himself and all believers being captively held by Jesus Christ, the one who came to save us, the one who came to give us the good news. Their lives are being transformed and changed. And Paul says, but thanks be to God who always leads us into a triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. In other words, they are being led and paraded. The ones who Christ has captivated, our lives are being transformed and we become like the burning of the incense that that produces a fragrance that attracts others to Christ. It's the changed lives. It's what Christ has done in you and me. And that's why people will come and follow the Lord. This aroma has two reactions. To those who hate Jesus, it is like the smell of death. And to those who are being saved, it is the fragrance of life. It's like spring. It's like waking up and after a long winter and you smell the flowers and you say to yourself, wow. It's nice to be in the springtime. It is astonishing how proclaiming Jesus can cause two different reactions. When I went to Bible college, our professor encouraged us to get to get involved in the prison ministry because he was involved in the prison ministry, and so. I and a number of my colleagues went and we decided we would go down to the prison. We would prepare and we would go to share the gospel. Our professor said, I just want to tell you a few things. We had never been down to prison, but 
he told us a few things. He says, not everybody's going to be receptive to the gospel. And he told us this story. He had gone in and he went to share the gospel with one person. The one person wasn't very happy with him. And he quickly picked up the pot that he peed in and he threw it on him. What a way and reception to have after sharing the gospel. But that did not stop him. He continued on because when he shared the gospel with many, many made decisions for Christ, their lives were changed. Their lives were changed never to be the same again. And he encouraged us to go and share the gospel. And we did that. We did that. And many times there would be some of the students who would come back and they had shared the Lord with someone and they made a decision to follow Christ. Wow. That is exciting. I wonder if you and I would be willing to take that type of abuse to share the only message in the world that can transform a person's life. Without Jesus, these people are lost. They are lost. Lost. Lost forever. Paul says in chapter 16, pardon me, in chapter 2, verse 16b and 17, the rest of his thought in this portion of Scripture. And who is equal to such a task? And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for a prophet. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Paul asks a rhetorical question, and who is equal to such a task? Who is equal to such a task? And the answer is no one. No one. No one is equal. No one can carry the gospel's work without the Lord's power, without God sustaining them, without God placing it on their hearts. No one can do it. You can't, I can't, and neither can the person sitting next to you. We are powerless and incapable, of, incapable in our strength. That's why we need to pray and we need to encourage one another. And if we're not going to do that, we will never share the gospel with the world. We'll never share the gospel even with those who are at home and perhaps even our own loved ones that are next to us who do not know Jesus as their Savior. Has Jesus called you and me to do this? And the answer is yes, yes. Wednesday at 7 a.m. in men's prayer time, I am so, we, we gather together as men to pray, and I am so encouraged to listen on how God is working. Ray asked us to pray for a man he shared the gospel with. He gave him a copy of the New Testament. And Ray said to us, I gave him a copy of the New Testament, and the man already has read it halfway through. Now he is asking us to pray. Pray that he will find Christ and that Ray will have the opportunity to share the gospel with him. That is so powerful. And we don't have to be a professional. We don't have to know everything. We can even go and share our own testimony, which 
um, Alvin is talking about. How can we share our own testimony with those around us? And sometimes we just need tips. Sometimes we need to hear somebody else share their testimony as we listen to them. And we can say, we can do the same too, same thing because God has changed us. Sometimes we just don't know how to do it. That's why we need to pray for one another. That's why we need to encourage one another. And that's why I'm encouraging you to come out to prayer time on Wednesdays. It is essential. It's important. And the ladies have a prayer time on Tuesdays. Come out. Get up early in the morning. And I know they don't meet at 7 o'clock in the morning, but they meet a little bit during, later during the day, in, during the morning. But you can be a part of it. We all can be a part of praying, and God will work in our midst as we do this together. None of us are equal to such a task in our strength, but with God's strength, we can do it. Then Paul says in verse 17, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Wherever God is at work, Satan is at work. Wherever God is at work, Satan is at work. And that's why it's so important to be praying. There were others that were peddling the gospel, and they were just doing it to make money. Paul was doing it out of sincerity because he wanted to reach people for Jesus Christ. I pray that we will have such sincerity and passion for those around us that we will make it our focus and our goal to share the love of Christ with others. And you know, as we do it, we can count on this, that Jesus will be with us every step of the way as we share with others. But let us be praying and let us be asking the Lord, Lord, lay on my heart someone this week and bring them across my path so I can build a bridge and I'll be able to share with them the love of Christ. Let's turn in our hymn books to number 642. Um, it might not be completely familiar, but I think once you hear it, you'll, you'll think maybe I, maybe I can sing this. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask Irene to play it one time for us, then we'll sing it one time, then Pastor Dean will have the closing prayer, and then we'll sing it one more time. Irene, please. <clears throat>
Let's stand as we close in prayer. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings, and we thank you that we are a privileged people who have heard the gospel. We thank you that you have seen us who are lost and that we were able to hear and respond. I pray, Father, now that we too would look upon the fields that are ripe. Help us to realize that we have the most important message, and that is the saving power of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that as we go into this new world, into this new week, that you would go before us. Lay upon our hearts those you want us to pray for and those you want us to share with. And we will give you praise and glory as we have, while we are able to do this with your strength. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn your face towards you and give you peace. Amen.